Welcome back to the Paul Bunyan podcast, everybody. Sorry we've been missing for a few weeks. We've been following COVID protocols and uh, just been <laughs> dealing with the general was, busyness of life. I was going to say, you're welcoming them back. They haven't gone anywhere. We have been the ones that haven't been here <laughs> for, th- for three weeks. Um, Joe, are you uh, ready for basketball season yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to see uh, the fruits of Tom Izzo's hard work. <laughs> come november but unfortunately we got some games to talk about before then yep and we'll start on the other side just remember five comes before the fall. Michigan State season continues to swirl down the toilet drain week after week uh, on this twenty this young twenty twenty two season. Started with a trip out to Washington that started bad, was bad in the middle, ended bad. <laughs> um, not really much to say about that game. I thought there were some bright spots, like the performance of Keon Coleman, but. Uh, everything was kind of washed away with the Minnesota game. All the good things, all the bad things remained. As uh, I really expected Michigan State to come out with some passion, some energy, some fire. I still expected them to lose to Minnesota. Didn't expect them to come out so flat and just have the game be over so quickly. And then their most recent one was a loss to Maryland, which frankly, I'm surprised the defense held Maryland to 27 points. I know there was some rain involved but still i thought i thought young Tua was gonna throw for eight touchdowns and maryland was gonna put up all sorts i thought maryland was just gonna have a day but michigan state falls 27 to 13 maryland has a really good offense the second best completion percentage in the country from Tua. yeah you'll never guess who's first uh they have really good receivers um Tua. Tua is probably the second best mobile quarterback in the Big Ten. I like how we keep referring to him as Tua. That's his name. <laughs> Everybody, make sure you take some time to pray for Tua this week so we can get back to leading the Dolphins to victories. <laughs> it's the only good thing I've got going lately. Um, but no, like it's just a lot of disappointment. And, um, you know, I, I kind of talked myself into believing that this could be a 10-win team by by the week of the, the first game. Us smart people knew they'd only win nine. They'd be nine yeah. and three. <laughs> and now, you know, they're going to struggle to get to a bowl game. I, I, I'm not sure I see four wins built into the schedule now. Like, I think there are some winnable games, but they're, they're going to have to steal some if they want to reach the bare minimum of, of bowl eligibility. Uh, in our chat the other day, you didn't – give their full schedule, but you said, like, these are the four one of Yeah, I, I thought, like, Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Indiana, and then I kind of threw Illinois in there as well. If they beat Illinois, I, it would be That would upset. be a good win. Oh, yeah. It would either be an upset or, like, a lot would have had to have changed between now and then. Yeah. And, yes, I know there are injuries on Michigan State's defense. I know that. I know that as well as anybody. I know they're missing Darius Snow, 
at the linebacker spot, Xavier Henderson at the safety spot, Jacob Slade at the D tackle spot. And those are three of the top five players on the defense, but that's no excuse. The defense cannot look this bad. I'm so tired of the four, two, five. This is the third year that Michigan state fans have had to suffer the four, two, five, and it didn't work in 2020 didn't work in 2021 and it's surely not working right now. And I don't understand the stubbornness of sticking with it. And I, I understand the frustration for Michigan state fans and calling for Scotty Hazleton to be fired. I would agree with it. And I know there are some people who would say, you know, Pat Narduzzi's defenses didn't really take off until 2010. And that's true, but Pat Narduzzi's defenses never looked this bad, even during the worst years of his tenure as defensive coordinator. They never looked this bad. I uh, I, I mean, if you recall, I predicted uh, Michigan State to win a close one against Washington. Uh, I, uh, Me and my wife went to see Casablanca that night. Um, we That's get out fun. of the movie theater. I go to check college football scores because <laughs> I'm a sicko, and I see <laughs> Washington's up 22 nothing at that point. Yeah. I'm like, what in the hell is happening? And then I think Washington got cute and went for two. Noah's safety? Yeah. So here's what happened with that. And this is where things really started to go downhill. Like Washington, Michael Penix came out and did prime Michael Penix things. Like he just torched Michigan State secondary. Uh, it looked like 2020 all over again. And then on the second drive, which, by the way, there was a real quick three and out for Michigan State's offense between that. On their second drive, they get down to the goal line. Michigan State comes up with a huge fourth down stop, and that was probably the last glimmer of hope I had and will have all season because Michigan State's defense stopped them. And I was like, okay, they're settling down. Defensive line still has a bunch of bad mofos on it. Like, it's it's going to be okay. But then Jared Broussard tripped over his own damn feet in the end zone, and that resulted in a safety. And then once again, Washington right down the field touchdown. Once again, quick three and out for the offense. Washington right down the field touchdown. So it was it was over very quickly. Yeah, and um, it's this point after touchdown failed. Did he just did Washington just miss yeah Washington their, just or did they it. go for two? They just muffed it. Oh okay, because twenty two is like weird, a bad especially snap. that early. It's like yeah. it's not like they scored five field goals. I also and <clears throat> this is just my honest opinion. I know it sounds really mean. I think. It kind of felt like they lost all three games since we last recorded. By more, they should have lost by more. Yeah, like there were times in the fourth quarter of the Washington game where it was like this could actually turn into something interesting. But uh, Penix was hurt. It felt like, like I, I, I haven't checked, but if you watch the second, the yeah. fourth quarter, he just they weren't going deep anymore. He just didn't seem as mobile. Yeah, and I mean, kudos to Michigan State because they were. When it was 35-14, you're like, this is over. And then it's like, it kind of became interesting. So good on them for not giving up. Um, but yeah, then Minnesota happened, and it felt like the complete opposite. Like I said, there were some things that I felt okay about at the end of the Washington game. Like, you remember... Look at that. They scored twice within less than two minutes. You remember at the end of the Akron game, I had major concerns about Peyton Thorne. Like, in that game, he looked about as bad as any starting quarterback can look in a 52 nothing win. And the Washington game, I was like, you know what? Thorne's not the problem. No. He threw for, like, MSU had almost 400 passing yards. He threw multiple touchdowns. Like And that was without Jaden Reed. Um, but since then, no. Thorne is definitely part of the problem. And I've... 
you can point to his stats against Maryland and say, like, oh, those aren't bad stats. On paper, no, they're not. But if you watched any part of the game, you know he's missed far too many open receivers. He cannot make that many misses as a second-year starter and a fourth-year junior in the Big Ten. Like, he's part of the problem. And the the real problem is he's doing just well enough where – a coach could really take some heat if they pulled him, and it doesn't work. I, he is a he is a team captain most weeks. And and um, <clears throat> the other thing is is uh the first three games, first two games, yeah, he looked sloppy, and I thought the running backs looked good. I don't think the running backs have looked good for the most part the no. last three weeks, and he's looked better than them. Uh, I will say this: I agree. Um, if you watch him. He makes some bad decisions or he doesn't make the right throw, but he's getting no help from the running backs or offensive line. The only real, the only position group that's doing a whole lot on offense is the wide receivers and they're banged yeah. up. And uh, whenever you get to defense, I'll tell you <laughs> what position groups I think are playing well on that side. Uh, <laughs> Let me help you with that real quick. <laughs> yeah. D tackles. D tackles. Yeah, Simeon Barrow's doing a, a nice job there's been times i've watched teams try to run up the middle and it's hard yeah and we we knew the corn the secondary was going to have an uphill battle at the beginning of the year so talking about the defense what really upset me was uh some comments from jacoby winman after the minnesota game where he said they game plan for minnesota to run the ball which for mo against most teams minnesota will plan to run the ball because that's the strength of theirs but I don't care if you have Barry Sanders in his prime at running back and, I don't know, Brian Hoyer current day at, at quarterback. If you're playing Michigan State's defense, you are absolutely 100% passing the ball, and it's going to work. Now you have me Googling what Brian Hoyer is up to these days. Is he still in the NFL? Oh, yeah, he's with the Patriots. He just got hurt and replaced by Bailey Zappi. Oh. What happened to your favorite quarterback that played there? Uh, Mac. Mac Jones sucks. That's what happened. Is, did he get pulled? No, he hurt his ankle because he's a little bitch. Sorry, I don't follow the NFL at all. <laughs> Mac Jones sucks. That's all you need to know. Um, I like Brian Hoyer. Yeah, yeah, Brian Hoyer's good. I got his autograph right. I mean, I know it's wall. sacrilegious to say anything nice about your rival team, but I don't know. He always seemed like a nice dude. He was a nice dude. I met him when I was 12. He was a nice dude. Was he uh, D'Antonio's first quarterback? He was, yeah. He'd yeah. be... Uh, he beat who did he beat? Nick Foles for the job, yeah. which is funny because now Nick Foles is also in uh, the NFL. But he also beat Nick Sheridan <laughs> at the Big House. That's right, he did. <laughs> Actually, Stephen Three started that game. Oh, did Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Mel Tucker. This this is the last year where he can lean on. Ex not that he has been leaning on excuses, but this is the last year I'm willing to give him a pass for how bad the roster was by D'Antonio's last years. This this is the absolute last year. Because you if you watch a Michigan State game from 2019, there are not many players that are left over from that roster. There's still a few, and there's still not great depth at any position outside of wide receiver. But it's it's time to start producing. And I know the 2021 season was special. You know, we got 11 wins, but it definitely fooled a lot of people. Like this this thing still has a ways to be built. There, uh, Kenneth Walker, I think, helped mask a lot of issues. Oh, and yeah. I kind of suspected that. The offensive line was not good last year. No. It was uh, Kenneth Walker doing his best Barry Sanders impersonation behind a Detroit Lions-esque yeah. offensive line. Uh, 
I, I was just hoping that 2022 would see more of fourth quarter Peach Bowl Peyton Thorne and not the first three quarters of the Peach Bowl Peyton Thorne. <laughs> I, I, I didn't I, I didn't expect uh, Peyton Thorne to struggle like this. I did think uh, having Kenneth Walker made his job easier. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But uh, I, he, I, I like Michigan State's uh, wide receivers too. So I'm like – uh, not a good offensive line, but he has good receivers. No Kenneth Walker, but also I thought the to uh Berger and um, who's the other transfer? Broussard. Yeah, I thought they would do more. I thought they would do well, and it looked like they were going to be acceptable through the first two weeks. But uh, you look at like the leading rusher for each game the last three weeks, and it's been like 34 yards, um, 27 yards, 23 yards. Um, like I'm advocating to see more Elijah Collins than those guys. <laughs> and Collins, you know, when, when he's been put in action, he's done well, but just doesn't seem to get as many opportunities for some reason. I uh, I, th- I actually thought they were playing uh, Wisconsin next, but they're playing Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, so Ohio State's coming to town, uh, and Travion Henderson, from my understanding, will be playing for the first time in a while. So <laughs> I, c- I can't give you a preview right now. It's going to be murder. Uh, I think Ohio State's favored by four touchdowns almost. 26.5 on yeah, this. And I would, I would bet that they cover. Let's see. Uh, uh, I'm not a betting man, but I'd bet that Ohio State covers that pretty easily. From the big five, the biggest like five money lines, you have anywhere between 25.5 and 27. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> uh, and uh, – it's in. It's at Michigan State. It's at Michigan State, but I. What is the uh, three point swing that uh, home field advantage Six, gets? You? Three each way. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, I'm looking at Buckeyes forty nine, Michigan State seventeen. Yeah. So I'm I'm starting to advocate now that Michigan State starts playing some of the younger guys, some of the Mel Tucker recruits. Some of these guys who are part of the 2021 and 22 classes. Uh, I mean, we're already seeing some of them at safety due to injuries, like Jaden Mangum. He got his first start at Maryland. Got to be honest, didn't watch all of the game because I was out of town at a wedding. But, I mean, like I said, surprisingly, Michigan State forced a couple three and outs and held Maryland to 27 on Saturday. <coughs> That's by far their best defensive performance in a while. Um I'd advocate to see some of the younger linebackers, maybe Carson Castile, Malik Spencer, more Manaute Ote, uh, Cal Halliday, and Ben Van Sumeren. They certainly have their strengths, but they for sure have their weaknesses as well. Oh, Ben Van Sumeren does. Yeah, like those <laughs> those two are, like we mentioned, those are two very good run-stopping linebackers. But if you're going to insist on running the 4-2-5, then one of your linebackers needs to be more of an athlete who can cover. And, you know, they went out and they got Aaron Brule from Mississippi State in the transfer portal. Why they haven't been using them, that's beyond me. That's above my pay grade. Um, you know, they had to switch Jacoby Winman to defensive end. And he's done well, even though he's been double teamed. But Angelo Gross, he can't cover anybody at safety. I thought he did well as a cornerback his freshman year in 2020. They moved him to safety. He's not doing well. He's burnt toast every day. Burnt toast. <laughs> burnt toast, barbecue chicken, whatever you want to call it. He's <laughs> He disgusts me at safety out there. Uh, as much credit as Mel should get for finding some good transfer portal dudes like Kenneth Walker, like Jacoby Winman, he also needs to take some heat for bringing Amir Speed and Chester Kimbrough and Ronald Williams to campus as well. 
because those are three of the worst corners I've ever seen in my life. Corner is one of the is probably the worst place to get like a transfer because so many teams throw so much and so many teams uh, have a lot of corners out there, especially on passing downs, yeah. and will go through people. If you're not seeing the field and you're a corner or safety, that means you're probably not really producing. Seriously, I, I would much rather see Caleb Coley, a true freshman out there, and Malcolm Jones, a true freshman safety, and A.J. Kirk, a redshirt freshman out there. Hell, they just switched uh, Davion Prim over from running back to corner in the fall. I'd rather see him out there right now. I cannot take more of Chester Kimbrough and Ronald Williams and Amir Speed. They are just god-awful right now, and they came over from the SEC. So, yeah, defensive line, I wouldn't change much. Like, I would love if they just blitzed more, knowing that they have the worst secondary in football again. At least don't leave your corners hanging out there. Right. So that's what I would change. Just play more young guys. Like, if you know the experienced guys cannot get the job done, and they can't, then it's time to see what these young guys have, these guys that are your guys that you went out on the recruiting trail and got. And on the offensive side, yeah, I would advocate for a shorter leash for Peyton Thorne. Like, I'd I'd say give him the first three drives against Ohio State. If they haven't scored on one of the drives and gotten into Ohio State territory on one of the other ones, uh, pull him. Is the Temple quarterback still there? No, Russo's not there. No? Uh, Russo graduated last year. I w- Noah Kins looks decent. I know he hasn't played against the best competition, but Noah Kim's looked decent in his time, and I know he's more athletic than Thorne. And it might just be a difference between getting experience. And honestly, like I said, if if the first three drives against Ohio State look like the first three drives against Washington and Minnesota, frankly, the first drive half against Akron. like Or the first half against Ohio State last year. Yeah, pull him. Like, it's been a year and a half of Thorne. He, he does some nice things, but he'll never – I don't think he'll ever be the guy who does more than what he did as as a sophomore in 2021. So, yeah, and I, um, I also I was... open it up more. Like, you've got Daniel Barker and Malik Carr at tight end, and I'm seeing Tyler Hunt get most of the tight end targets. That pisses me off. Kind of feels like Peyton Thorns on the Brian Lewerke uh, career path. Yeah, no, that's what I was concerned about. Um, because I was all in on Brian Lewerke after 2017. A very, very similar uh, sophomore seasons for the two of them. Their play kind of reminds me of each other, too. I know Lewerke's a bit more mobile. But yeah, Lewerke was more of a run-first guy. Uh, but like, Peyton Thorne can scramble a bit. He can, and I do wish they would utilize his legs more. <clears throat> That's sometimes what uh, teams, I mean, do to kind of, like, if there's a talent uh, disparity yeah. is uh, run your quarterback, you know, use some RPOs or just, yeah. hey, if your first read's not there, just run. That's something I thought they did a good job of last year was implementing some Peyton Thorne runs. I think he had something like five touchdown runs last year. Uh, when he came in for Rocky Lombardi in 2020, he had like a 30-yard touchdown run against Ohio State. <laughs> so, yeah, like and they, they only scored twelve there. points that day too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I in my head, I kind of remembered like in recent history, it seems like Ohio State's really had Michigan State's number. I mean, yeah, they have almost much. everybody. Yeah, uh, they, they. I think they pretty much killed Don Brown. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I mean, it happens to everyone. But um, since that upset, I mean, 
Yeah, it was an upset because it was in Columbus. Oh, yeah, the 2015. Yeah, yeah and then they somehow that 3-9 and nine team only lost by one. Dude, I was at that game. That was an exciting game. I, I turned that game on, I think, in the third or fourth quarter. Like, what I is give, going on I here? I give D'Antonio props because he went for two after State scored the fourth quarter touchdown. It was kind of like, F it. Like, we're, we're, I've, now the two-point play that they called was asinine, but I gave them props for going for two. But yeah, I mean, Michigan State and Ohio State had a great five-year war, really six-year war from 2011 to 2016, where you had like a three-point win for State, a one-point win for OSU, 10-point win for MSU, 12-point win for Ohio State, three-point win, one-point win, and then it's just been uh, 20-plus points for Ohio State ever since. I, I saw Brady Hulk uh, call an asinine two-point play, too, against Ohio <laughs> yeah, Right, State. similar situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, – even when like Michigan State's been good, I don't remember this 2017 game at all. Yeah, that one was over because Ohio State or Michigan State went 10 and three that year. Yeah, and they lost by more than they did last year. I mean, Ohio State really pumped the brakes in the second yeah. half. Yeah, but and I mean, I know Michigan State doesn't have the best corners, but that was crazy last year. Yeah. It was uh, Ohio State scored a touchdown on their first seven possessions. I uh I I, I was working Saturday still at that time, and I would have, I forget what it's called, Google Gamecast or something. It mm-hmm. broke my It broke the app <laughs> because Ohio State was scoring so quickly that, like, it was lagging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll see a replay of it this Saturday, so. Well, so, 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 I actually have a serious question. Okay. You said you want to see the young guys. Do you put the young guys out there and just say, screw it, you know you're going up against world beaters? Or do you worry that it might, like, hurt their confidence if they just get, like, ran out of the building like that? I say you start your usual starters, give them what I want with the Peyton Thorne treatment. Like, give them, give your normal starters a quarter and a half. Just gauge how things are going. And it's not like you have to do a full hockey line shift where you're, like, taking the five guys off the ice, putting a new five out there. Like, sprinkle them in, you know, like, Leave Cal Halliday out there, put Malik Spencer in uh, Ben Van Summeren's spot at linebacker. You know, leave um, Ronald, leave like Charles Brantley and Amir Speed at corner and put Caleb Coley out there. Like, so you can sprinkle in the young guys. It doesn't have to be like a full sale, put them all out there. Um, But yeah, I'd say like, why wait? Like, you know, yeah, I, I know there's like the whole confidence issue, but you got to get experience. Same thing with the O-line. I, th- I think I saw Gavin Brocious get some time and uh, Gino Vandemark, and I was a fan of that because, frankly, um, State has five guys committed for on the O-line for their incoming class, and I believe that you could take those five guys right now and put them as starters on this team, and it would be an upgrade. You think they'll do that next year so they all play together? No, I, that would shock me. There are still some guys that are nice, like Christian Phillips, Big Dooley. He's a follower of the podcast on Twitter. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'd like to see him get some playing Smart time. Smart guy. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Gino Vandemark was a big-time get out of New Jersey, and I seeing him at right tackle on Saturday for a brief time, that was encouraging. Um, yeah, the biggest thing I would say is, uh, it's time to let Scotty Hazleton go. I don't know if Mel Tucker is the type of coach who will do that thing in season. Um, 
But, you know, I still advocate for Mel Tucker getting the big contract he got. Because, first of all, Michigan State's not paying it. A booster's paying it. So, it's no money out of, <laughs> out of the university's pocket. Everybody's like, oh, Michigan State's overpaying. It's like, oh, they're not actually paying him anything. Um, um, well, maybe but, not the high percentage, but booster's budgets, booster's money is the college's money. Right. If you, <laughs> yeah, it's like that everywhere. Sure. <laughs> um, but, but uh, I, I mean – Harbaugh's contract was a issue it, for a long time. It sure was. Yeah. You, what? What? It, their value is what another team or program's right. willing to pay them. And Louisiana, uh, uh, LSU, and who else was rumored to be going after him? But uh, any team, probably Oklahoma. Yeah, probably Oklahoma. Yeah. So, like, I do believe that 2021 wasn't just a flash in the pan. It was a sign of what could be coming down the road if you trust the process. But it's going to take some time to get there, and it's going to take some hard decisions by Mel Tucker, too. And I think some of those hard decisions, like, what what did I harp on D'Antonio for for years? Sticking by his guys like Jim Bowman and Dave Warner and uh, Jim Tressel's nephew for far <laughs> too long. And that's where, that's where Mel Tucker can be different than Mark D'Antonio, uh, the bad parts of Mark D'Antonio. Not sticking by his guys and not – I'll be the first to tell you I was a huge fan of the Scotty Hazleton hire at the time because I looked at Kansas State's defense and I was like, oh, they're the only team in the Big 12 that plays defense and they've beaten Oklahoma a few times or they've kept it close with you know the big guns of the Big 12. But it's just not working out and there's no reason to keep it going. Plus Iowa State stole that uh, uh, identity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, like, if Wisconsin doesn't offer Jim Leonard the head coaching job, he might be your number one target. Like because Wisconsin just fired Paul Christ. If he's not offered a head coaching job at the end of the year, he might be available and you might have to go get him. That's that's just the first name that comes to mind. Like obviously I'm not a, a search committee or anything. Jim Leonard's gonna be getting a lot of uh, phone yeah. calls if he uh, Jay Johnson's not on as thin of ice, but I have been very disappointed with the production this year. The offense corner. Yeah. I've I've seen it work for portions of games where they air it out and they don't just run it on second and 10 and they pass the ball downfield and it works, but they, they don't do that until it's like their last, last hope. And it's like, why do you wait? Why not go to that right away? Yeah. Or at least, you know, earlier. (coughs) Right. Um, I hated his play calling in 2020. Um, Jay Johnson. Uh, I, yeah. thought, I thought it was really weird the seven games I watched. Yeah, you know? I was willing to give him a break. But he looked better with uh, Kenneth Walker yeah, out there. It's, I think it's easier to implement a defense on short time <coughs> Excuse me. than an offense on short time, and he was working with such a short timeline. Yeah. <coughs> but just, like, schematically. I didn't think it like worked, but then it looked better last year. But um, he also had <clears throat> Kenneth Walker out there, so who knows? Yeah. Um. Anyways, I'm starting to cough up a storm, so I'm going <laughs> to move on to the next section. Yeah, we'll talk Michigan next and get Joe a cough drop. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Paul Bunyan Podcast. Just wanted to take a quick moment between these segments to remind you that the Paul Bunyan Podcast is sponsored by Farbar. Make sure to visit far-ebar.com to browse new products that include shirts, jackets, pants, handbags, uh, even things made with fabrics from Italy. If you go to his website, and that website again is far-ebar.com, 
and click on the 2022 fall lookbook, you'll be able to get a look at all of the new styles that have just come out in the last few months. Once again, that's far-ebar.com. Click on the 2022 fall lookbook. If you're wanting to support small businesses and uh, people who do everything themselves, Farbar is the definition of an entrepreneur and a hard worker, and he makes all the clothes by hand. Like I said, with Fabric from Italy, he's based in Los Angeles, but comes from here in Michigan, big supporter of the show. So make sure you guys go to that website and check him out and uh, support him as well. And uh, we'll be talking about Michigan football on the very next segment. Michigan continues to look good. <laughs> um, uh, I have three games I'm going to go over, and I'm going to be a little bit scatterbrained. I'm going to try to stay on a game at a time, but I think yeah. it will be better if I just go back and forth. And Rather than like breaking down UConn and, and Deathway, um, <laughs> it will be a bit of a buffet, a little this, a little that, a little chicken, a little broccoli, a little cheesecake because I deserve it. <laughs> I feel like I've earned it. Um, but, yeah, um, I thought Michigan looked a little bored against UConn, and they still ravage them. Uh, UConn probably doesn't have any NFL players. Um, their defensive line actually isn't bad, especially for, I mean, I would say they're a AAC team, but they're actually independent now, a uh, Big East team in basketball. Uh, <clears throat> and then they, they have a little spark on offense, but they were a little banged up against Michigan. But they don't really have very many good players. And uh, uh, UConn stinks, and it's not even Jim Mora's fault. Um, he has a heck of a rebuild in front of them, in front of him. But uh, I loved how he tried to give him a, himself an excuse afterwards by saying Michigan is a championship team. Mike Loxley did not do that, and I'll talk <laughs> about his comments when we get to Maryland. But uh, Jim Mora is also annoying how he runs up and down the bleachers. I didn't even know he did that until oh, a couple weeks some, ago. He's got some PJ Fleck tendencies. Yeah, he he's stupid and um. Uh, UCLA would have been better if he would have got along with Josh Rosen, like the best player he coached the entire time. And he just like bickered with him. Miami Dolphins legend, Josh Rosen, <laughs> uh, Arizona Cardinal legend, Josh <laughs> Rosen. Um, but, uh, Mike Loxley has a high opinion of himself. I think he said that he gets lots of dates and has big muscles and is good at football. And Michigan does not. And therefore Michigan, Maryland should have won. <laughs> he, he said Maryland's a bunch of Chad Thundercocks and the Michigan Melvins were a bunch of virgins. So, I mean, I mean, you have to admit that you, that's a good point. It's strong very takes, strong takes. From it's a very solid. Football coach. Yeah. It's very solid from a logistical standpoint. I think he looked up PFF. He looked at 538. <laughs> he talked to Bill Conley and that was the conclusion he came to. But uh, afterwards, Michigan had a 94% uh uh, post-game win percentage. Uh, I, I didn't have as bad of a time as some Michigan fans watching it. I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't frustrated at all. But I the last six months, maybe longer, I've stayed off Twitter a lot more. I find watching games a lot more fun that way. Yeah. I wasn't at the game, and I think like during commercial breaks when you're at the game, and you know college football loves to have those. You talk to other fans, and you just can feel anxiety. Because I think some people expect a Michigan to run away with that game. Yeah, I really um, don't go on Twitter at all during games. I just found it. I just find it bad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so you won't get you guys all many tweets from the Paul Bunyan podcast. Yeah, I don't live. Games. I don't live tweet anymore. Um, you all, everyone feeds off everyone's energy. And oh, especially basketball games. That's yeah, the, you can miss so much just like typing in a damn tweet. Yeah, on your phone. 
yeah, anyways. Uh, but that doesn't excuse the poor play calling and some missed opportunities for big plays. Uh, JJ had some overthrows or just throws that were off deep. Um, uh, but he is the number one uh, uh, quarterback when it comes to completion percentage, uh, which, I, I mean, I say that with a little bit of snark because uh, <laughs> some of the play calling have been deep dinks and dunks, but not all of them. And I actually uh, – I'm not going to lie. I actually am mostly impressed by JJ, especially since he's – not even halfway through his first season as a starter. Yeah. Uh, first or not even yeah, and not even halfway through. Uh but yeah, uh, it's also Michigan's fault for playing Maryland during September, you know. That's when they're, that's, that's when they're good. I will say I think uh the Maryland game was probably the best case scenario for Michigan because it was like the first time Michigan was tested. They didn't have a 50 plus point win and you could you can learn about yourself and not lose a game. Like obviously you prefer to learn about yourself by winning a game close against a, an in-division. So the way the oh. game went was the best-case scenario, not that Maryland was, like, the best-case yeah, scenario for them. Yeah, like Because I think they, they kind of – They beat a decent team, and they had some of their flaws exposed for the first time all year, and that's how you know what you need to work on. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the first time Michigan's been, like, punched in the mouth, seeing game speed at that yeah. speed. Um uh, and like I said, well, I've actually been consistently annoyed with Mike Loxley, but I do think he's a pretty good coach. I, so. I like this Maryland team. Uh, yeah, and they and like as I wrote down here in my notes, they were their first tests because the first three opponents were abysmal. Mm-hmm. So there was adjustment there. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually I'm going to get do a sidebar on Maryland really quick ra- rather than continue talking about Michigan, but I'll get back to that. I'm actually interested in their game November 12th. Do you know who they're playing? Is that Penn State? That's Penn State. Uh, Penn State, especially if Michigan beats Penn State, I think that game could decide which team finishes third in the East. I think so. Let's see. Okay. Now, I don't have anything else on Maryland about that, but I just think Penn State could beat Michigan. I actually think Penn State's pretty good. I expect Michigan to win, but if they if Michigan does beat Penn State, I feel like it comes down to Maryland and Penn State. I actually don't I see that. Indiana's no good. No. Uh, Rutgers and Michigan State are the Spider-Man meme, you know, pointing at each other. <laughs> uh, no, no. Michigan State and Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. They're both two and three. <laughs> like, I don't know. They kind of remind me of each other. Um, you expected them to be better. My comments on Maryland is that if Mel Tucker is the king of the transfer portal, how did he let Maryland's kicker transfer over from Eastern and have, like, the longest streak of made field goals. Like, Michigan State hasn't had a good kicker since 2009 in Brett Swenson. Yeah. And you had a guy right here in Ypsilanti, and you let him go to Maryland? Yeah. Damn. Also, Michigan State left seven points on the field against Maryland with two missed field goals and a missed extra point. So, oh, wow. 14-point uh, game, that makes a big difference. And but, it, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it does. And uh, Michigan State didn't score in the second half against Maryland. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, uh, actually uh, – when uh, my family was asking me about Michigan's upcoming games, I actually said, if you take Maryland's offense and Iowa's defense, you have a good team. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. I, I still stand by that after seeing them. I know Iowa came into the game rank the number one defense. I don't think they're number one defense, but I do think they're top ten. Their and defense I, had scored more points than their offense. Yes, that and that point. was what I was worried about. Michigan was going <laughs> to lose that game. It's going to be – a pick six or a fumble and yeah. they did fumble when they recovered on their own two yard line. And just this, this showcase, this epitomizes my like feelings towards 
this staff and this program right now, even during Harbaugh's first few years when he was mostly winning a lot of games, something like that happens and it would just be like, oh, here we go. And I didn't have a feeling. I didn't have any of that on Saturday. Like, ever since he revamped his staff, Michigan 17-2, and two, undefeated at home, has won big games. And it's just, I don't know. I don't have that, like, that hit in my stomach that, okay, things are about to unravel. And um, and that just epitomizes it. I'm like, they fumbled on the two. They're fine. It's <laughs> fine. Rub some dirt on it. <laughs> yeah, rub some. Walk it <laughs> off. Um, but Maryland, too, they were receivers. I, I thought Michigan's uh, secondary did a great job against the receivers because there's a lot of firepower there. They did a good job of pressuring Tua. I think they had a lot of hurries. I can't remember. Oh, his name's not Tua, is it? <laughs> no. What's his name? Tula Ta- Talia. Talia. There we go. But no, I I, I like that we were calling him Tua. He, he's just Tua. Tua, just... Tua part duh in my head. <laughs> That's head cannon. He's nowhere. Yeah. That's my college football head cannon. Right, right-handed Tua. Yeah. If, if you took away like 80% of Tua's abilities. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think he's like playing well he this year. Good. Yeah, yeah. He's he's gotten better since his first year at Maryland. Yes, he did. And I think a lot of people forgot how young he was. Like, Yeah. So it was okay for him to look raw. Yeah. Tonga Vailoa is how you say his last name. What? Tongue? Tonga Vailoa. Well, let me try it. Tongue. Long tongue. Viola? That's right. Okay. <laughs> but uh, moving on to Iowa, which I've kind of touched on a little bit, a boring win at Kinnick is something that a lot of great teams haven't been able to accomplish. Yeah. And it was Michigan's first win there since 2005. Obviously, they don't play there every two years, though. But it's been a while. Like They've had some opportunities. Yes. And uh, most of their wins have been at home. It's <clears throat> been a series where most the home team wins almost every time yeah. since 2005. Um Harbaugh is now one in every Big Ten stadium, so that's something. Uh, some of those Big Ten West teams, they don't play very often either. So, yeah. I think one thing I wouldn't realize is that Harbaugh can out Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz. That is good. When you can beat a, uh, another team at their own game. Yeah. That shows diversity. And, and like, that's that's why – no, sorry. I, keep, I always bring it back to Michigan State, and I do apologize about that. Oh, that's I why know. Tom Izzo was successful in March because he can beat – a defensive gritty team, 45-43, and then two days later beat uh, a run-and-gun team, 89-83, to you know. So, like, that that does mean a lot that Harbaugh can out yeah. Ferentz a, a Ferentz team. And not one of Ferentz's worst teams. Not one of his better teams. But. No, but that defense is really good. I saw Blake yeah. Corum uh, leave uh, Jack Campbell, an All-American linebacker, in his underwear. It Just out juked him. Yeah. He wears polka dot underwear, which I thought was weird. Uh, More of a hearts guy. <laughs> but last year it was like they kept doing what they wanted to do in the Big Ten title game. And I don't think they necessarily play conservative, but it was just like we're just going to keep doing it and ramming Haskins at them and throwing some until, like, the floodgates open. Yeah. And then uh, Iowa couldn't take it, and then Michigan ran away with it after. It they, was- they had, like, that one flashy play where Edwards threw the pass to, was it Roman Wilson? For the touchdown, that sounds right. Yeah, I think it was Edwards threw it to somebody, and then uh, and they like got the lead, but then like by the end of the game, it was a blowout. Yeah, and this like Michigan went down first first uh, time they got the ball and just went down there and scored, and they got the lead and they played conservatively. I mean, they were a little too conservative in Field the fourth position game. Yeah, yeah, but Harbaugh has old school football in his blood, and like if Ferentz wants to punt on third down, screw it. I'll punt on second down. I'll show him. And uh, 
Also, shout out to Iowa's fans uh, saying I'm here. Those shirts that I'm here for the punter. That makes <laughs> yeah. me laugh. They're, I wonder what the discourse. What were you going to say, though? I was going to say they know who they are. Yeah. I wonder what the discourse among the fan base is, though. Like, do some of the fans, like, get mad that some of the, the other fan, the other segment of the fan base is embracing this? Right. <laughs> like, let's move on from parents. Or is it more like, no, just let, let, we know who we are. Um, looking forward, uh, Michigan has Indiana and, and then Penn State. Indiana's a tune-up game. Sorry, like yeah. you're, you're you're not good anymore. Like they, yeah. they had their fun in the pandemic season, and really for parts of 2019. But yeah, if I were Indiana, I might think about moving on from Tom Allen pretty <laughs> soon. I know he was a hot head coach. In the I game. always thought they won in spite of him and his terrible yeah. offensive coordinator hires. Um, but yeah, you're saying like without a. a Healthy Michael Penix, they're just really not. No, much. like nothing they, to write home about. They beat Michigan in the COVID year for the first time since the Reagan administration, yep. and that's what they got. I mean, they're gonna go another thirty-three years. <laughs> right, that was your one. Yeah, one <laughs> every thirty-three years. Yeah, thank you, Spider-Man. Everyone gets one. <laughs> um, Penn State, they have an extra week to prepare for Michigan. So if they don't look sharp, then we know that James Franklin is a cuck. No, I did not say cook. He's a cook. <laughs> oh, Penn State's on the bye week this week? Yeah, Penn State's on the bye week, so they get okay. an extra week to prepare for Michigan. Also, it's a noon game. It's not a night game, so that's another reason. I believe Michigan-Michigan State's going to be a night yeah, game. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. The rumblings. That Paul Bunyan game is going to be the night game. That's right. Yeah, let's get drunk. It's Halloween weekend. Let's get crazy. Let's all wear Jack Campbell's uh, polka dot boxers. Um <laughs> Uh, but I'm excited for this rest of the season. I'm more excited than Chad Latt's uh, browsing his OnlyFans feed. I was hoping we'd go full No, nope, nope. we got to mention the Chad Latt's, though he's <laughs> not as good as the Chad Thundercocks, and that's the Maryland <laughs> Chad Thundercocks. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, credit to Michigan taking care of business. Like you said, if, if you can have an unexciting win at Kinnick, like – that's not a bad thing necessarily. There was times I was excited because I actually think this Iowa's defense is good. And there, yeah. was, there was times they really looked good. I didn't like that they stopped rushing Iowa in the fourth quarter and just like kind of went to that prevent and kind of let Iowa score. Uh, because what was it before that? They yeah. had, they, what was Michigan? Shout out to Iowa for running a one yard pass play on fourth and two in the fourth quarter as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, Iowa. <laughs> but uh, Michigan had uh, come up with a pretty big lead before. Was it 21 nothing? And then they kind of went into turtle mode, I thought, a little bit. And I turtle, but not terrapin mode. No, no, not terrapin. Ter- I don't think Mike Loxley knows what uh, <laughs> that is. I, you know what? If James Franklin ever – I'm going off topic for a minute. Right, if James Franklin time. ever leaves Penn State, like Mike Loxley would be – an amazing hire. I feel like James Franklin is the perfect hire for Penn State uh, in the post-Joe Paterno era because I feel like their fans have kind of stopped having expectations. But they'll always be just good enough where it's going to be a fun season at least to start. You know, like you're going to win your first five or six games, get up near the top 15, maybe even the top five before things start to unravel and you realize – just how bad of an in-game coach he is. Yeah, he is. Hell of a recruiter. Yes, he is. Mike Loxley, I mean, uh, there's a lot of talent in the DMV area. Oh, yeah. he, he gets a lot of it. And Re- he, uh, 
those three receivers, Raheem Jarrett, uh, I swear I know the other ones, number one, and uh, Dante Demas, uh, like those are three very good receivers. Like if, if they played at Ohio State, you'd hear about them all the time. Yeah, yeah, you would. Um, Hell, if they played at like Wisconsin or Nebraska, you'd hear about them all the time. But Maryland's Maryland. <laughs> yeah, and they only really pay attention to one side of the ball too. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I just looked it up. Michigan was up 20 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. There was more points scored in the fourth quarter than the rest of the game combined. And keep in mind, like, Iowa also had a drive, you know, that fourth and two where they ran the one-yard out route. <laughs> yeah. Like, that got into the red zone or close to the red zone. I was zone. happy that Harbaugh went up to his players and started uh, – Yeah, he was like, hey, yeah. this game's not over. Yeah. Um, because we've, most of Iowa's yards were in the fourth quarter, and they still were outgained by uh, – almost 50 yards 46 yards yeah like michigan was really dominating before that michigan's time of possession was two or three times what i was was until they went in the turtle mode as soon as it was announced as a noon game and not a night game i knew michigan would win (laughs) because you know iowa like night games at kinnick stadium are a different thing but if you kick off before 7 or 8 p.m Uh, we're not scared anymore but it also (laughs) is so it's accomplishment it's both hard because we want to take credit for it but it's also not that scary because we beat their ass so just 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 so we're clear that, right. that, that that's my official position on this. Also, why am I seeing Greg McAlroy or whatever McElroy? talk about Texas A&M and Alabama when I'm looking up the Michigan Iowa? Oh, because it's on ESPN and they're in bed with the SEC. This is a big day for us mentioning former Alabama quarterbacks. We we got Tua Tagovailoa, we got Mac Jones, we got Greg McElroy. Is the guy at, is the guy at Maryland ever? Uh... Talia was at Maryland or was at Alabama. Was he? He was uh, a couple recruiting classes behind Tua. And then he I feel like they just kind of threw the family a bone to be like, hey, thanks for oh, kind of like for when, Tua. Kind of like when D Hart went there. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I think it was when Loxley went to Maryland. Yeah. Um and Tua left that Talia. I know it's been a good move. Like he wouldn't have beaten out Mac Jones. He wouldn't have beaten out Bryce Young. Yeah, so it's, it's been a good business decision on both and sides. And I think he's going to be drafted to, or he's going to be uh, drafted by the NFL too. And if he was sitting on Alabama's bench, yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't happen. Yeah. No, he'll get a chance. I um, mean, the Lions didn't draft the last time of Ilo. Maybe they'll draft the next one. Who's uh, Miami's? Uh, my oh, Josh Gaddis. Yeah, Josh Gaddis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. So I was going to bring up Mike, uh, Mike Loxley and Josh Gaddis's uh, domestic dispute where they threw their bra and panties at each other. I'm, yeah, I missed that one. <laughs> you did you? <laughs> no, no, no. They they were both being stupid. They were, no, yeah, I'm already... the reason Alabama's good, and they're like, no, I'm the reason Alabama's good. Never right. mind, Alabama was good before either of them got there, and they've and been fine been, since. Yeah. <laughs> Have you? I'm sorry. We just have kind of time to kill. I, yeah. I didn't. I do not know how we went through everything I had to say so quickly. Uh, but have you read what what Nick Saban has his uh, assistant coaches do specifically? Former head coaches that come and like you know his his coaching rehab program. Yeah, yeah, his coaching rehab, uh, mm-hmm. which is. Uh, uh, Which Scott Frost will be a part of soon. Yes, yes. He has them, like, walk the dogs and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, oh, which one was it? He just likes to emasculate people. Yes, he does. Because um, uh, who's old Mrs. head coach? The former USC head coach, Oakland Raider head coach. Oh, uh, Lane Kiffin. Yeah, Lane Kiffin took a video of uh, – <laughs> so uh, which one, Now I have to look it up. 
if you're a if you're a former NFL or college head coach who loses a job embarrassingly, you can go down to Alabama and revive your career, but it's going to cost you a lot of dignity. Yes, it does. I, I man, like I mean, they have NFL head coaches, former NFL head coaches coaching like their offensive line. Like Bill O'Brien is on that staff. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian was on that staff. Uh, was it Steve's? Well, it might have been Stark. Sark. Sark. Who almost beat Alabama this, this year. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm, and I wasn't sure, like, if he was a good hire to replace. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was a good uh, hire to replace Tom Herman. Yeah. Because it's not like Herman was bad. But, uh, oh, man, I wish I could find it. Lane Kiffin takes video of Alabama assistant coach. Lane Kiffin says, get your popcorn ready, then loses by 40 to Alabama. <laughs> oh, I don't want to watch a video. <laughs> I, I want to get this. Uh, I just, I want to get this. Uh, uh, oh, it was Mike Loxley. That's who it was. <laughs> he took a video. Yes. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not. Everyone was probably screaming if they already knew it. They were probably screaming at their phone. I'd be surprised <laughs> if a lot of people knew what you were talking about. No, this went kind of viral. I mean, I'm on that Saturday Down South, which is a pretty big uh, college. <laughs> and uh, he was it. Okay. All right. Here is what Kiffin said. We probably did five hours of shooting and four minutes makes it. Out of that, so think for a moment. But one thing that we weren't able to put the piece on with the time at the time, Loxley had basically. Oh, I am so sorry. I have my phone on mute, but uh, the alarm still goes off. Well, one of the things we weren't able to put in the piece was at the time Loxley had basically crashed at Lane Kevin's apartment at this building. You know the layout of Bama much better than I do. Having gone there, but he mentioned apartment handling, apartment building that overlooks the football facility. I don't know where that is exactly. You probably would. Anyway, it was whatever floor it was. It was the tenth floor of this apartment building or seventh floor. And Loxley was just basically grabbed the couch and was just going to stay with Kiffin so he could save some money. He calls Kiffin as he was walking the kids over to a pool and he's like, "Lane, this is the absolute rock bottom for me." And Kiffin goes, "Yeah, I know. I'm watching you. I'm watching you from the apartment." He's laughing at Loxley. He's taking video of Loxley walking the kids over, and we beg Lane. Can you please find that video so we could use it in the story? He looked. He really tried to find it. Okay, it wasn't a dog. He was walking his kids to the pool, and he's having to live with Lane Kiffin. <laughs> oh, God. Now look at him. Yeah. <laughs> Coaching at Maryland. Oh, and look. There's a picture of uh, Scott Frost right that next says, to Nick Saban. That says week three headliners. That's back when Scott Frost had a job. They already knew he was going to end up at Alabama. That's right, the Alabama coaching rehab program. Oh, man, I, I watching Nebraska, like, one, what, what losers? They're such big losers. Yeah. But at the same time, some of those play calls they would call on offense, it was like, that's amazing. It was funny seeing uh, – not Taylor Martinez. Adrian, Adrian Martinez. Martinez. He's doing pretty well at Kansas yeah, State. Yeah, they beat like a top ten team. Wasn't it Oklahoma? Ago. It might have been. We're gonna. <laughs> this is what happens when we have time to kill. Yeah. Well, not only have you seen Kansas. Kansas yeah, is Kansas, legitimately yeah. good. Kind of pisses me off. 
the 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 coach from Buffalo. He took he took Leopold, yeah. he took Les Miles players. Yeah, Les Miles went to Kansas after LSU was freaking atrocious. Yeah, Kansas State beat Oklahoma on September twenty fourth. Yeah, but it was kind of devalued because Oklahoma they lost again because they're stupid. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. But Kansas State hasn't been bad. Like, isn't isn't like doesn't someone have like Texas Oklahoma is their main game <laughs> this week and they're both yeah, three the Red and River two rivalry. <laughs> yeah, they're both three and two. Oh yeah, TCU handed uh, Oklahoma their ass. Um. Oh yeah. TCU came out with the all-black unis. Looking good. Both of the Kansas schools are better at football than uh, both of the Nebraska. Oklahoma schools. Oh, yeah, Nebraska. and both of them. How, how is Oklahoma State doing? I haven't even paid attention. I don't know. Oh, TCU and Kansas, number 17 versus number 19, like everyone expected. Anyway, but the important thing to remember is uh, Michigan – uh, is good, and uh, I said they would be good, and I only say that when I have, like, a real good feeling. I'm not always Mr. Sunshine on this podcast. No, it's true. Yeah, but I, I... I give us credit for not being sunshine all the time. I think most years I say, like, 9-3, 10-3 for Michigan, because for... That, that seemed to be, like, the record. Harbaugh would always win 9 or 10 games for a yeah. long time. But they've been kind of on a roll. I really like this group of players. Like, a lot of guys returning from last year. And I, it just feels like a special group. And yeah, screw it. For state, I want to see uh, Quavion Carter and Octavian Brown at linebacker against Ohio State. I want to see uh, Caleb Coley and Malcolm Jones. Uh, I want to see more Marky Lowry. I don't know whatever happened to that. I feel guy. like I you're gonna well. say a fake name just to see if uh, uh, catch me off guard. Throw Aid Willie, the true freshman, in there. I have seen him a little bit on special teams. Um, you know. Doug Lester, Hard Duncan Chud, put him back there. Yep, no, I just referenced the name. <laughs> <laughs> we were on the same wavelength. Cause the, in, in one of those, they do have a Michigan State player. Yeah, uh, Jack Marius Tech Theratrix. <laughs> Wait, say that again. Jack Marius Tech Theratrix. Um. But yeah, don't let this distract you from the fact that Tom Izzo has been absolutely killing it on the recruiting trail, and uh, he seems like he will be stopped at nothing uh, to get Michigan State basketball back to where it belongs. He's working tirelessly to get that second title, and he'll do whatever it takes aside from cheating or using the transfer portal. So <laughs> he told Draymond Green that on his podcast. He doesn't really want to use the transfer portal. I am in favor of Michigan doing both. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, I'll see. We'll see you guys next week. Oh, my phone's going off again. Yep, this show's <laughs> going off the rails.